episode 36 of slam city that's right folks it's raymond mora here all by himself uh mr met couldn't be here today but he will be calling in as soon as we get involved with this interview because we got a special one for everybody here all nba fans of course there's a lot of stuff talking about the nfl offseason but we have to start off with the nba because we have here a special guest here this is howard beck from bleach report one of the more experienced nba writers in the league Howard, is Raymond here? How are you doing today? I'm doing great, Raymond. Thanks. Good. Thank you. Thank you for actually taking this uh, opportunity to be part of the podcast. Because you know, you look at the NBA right now, and, and there are a couple of topics that I think everybody should want to discuss about. Really, and it's really about the Warriors, and you know how they're struggling right now about Kevin Durant. I mean, are they really in trouble right now? I think it's too soon to say that the Warriors are in trouble. They're still the Warriors. They still have, even without Durant. Uh, three of the top, let's say, I don't know, 20 players in the league with Curry, Draymond, and Clay Thompson. Yeah. Um, it's a core that, you know, won back-to-back conference titles, obviously, won a championship, did all that without Durant. And granted, you know, their surrounding cast has changed um, because getting Durant meant shedding a few of their role players. But, you know, listen, when you've still you've got the defending two-time MVP and, you know, one of the best shooting guards in the NBA and one of the most versatile defensive, you know, bigs and, and Draymond Green, you're going to be fine. It's been bumpy so far, I think, in part because, look, it, it, a couple different things. One, this is a team that's been back to back-to-back finals, and so there's always a little bit of, of a, just a, an attrition factor um, when you're trying to work toward getting back to the finals again. And, you know, you just want the season to end. You know, it's a long season, and, you know, they went all out last year to win 73, and that's really unusual, and it's really hard to do. Um, they had to adjust to Durant, to bringing him in, and everybody had to take a slightly different approach. Curry and Draymond in, in particular uh, certainly had their, their usage rates, their, their shots per game go down because they were accommodating Durant to essentially make him the new face of the team. And so with him now gone – they have to kind of, you know, uh, readjust to what life was like before him. And also, he was a huge, huge factor for them defensively. Uh, yeah. Led the team in, in blocked, blocked shots. Mm-hmm. Um, as versatile, if not maybe even more so than Draymond. So you know, don't just fix that overnight or, or patch it up overnight. So not in trouble. Um, they might slip to number two in the West. If that happens, you know, I, I think they'll still be fine as long as they're back healthy in the playoffs. That's really the question right now. None of the, the next three, four weeks don't really matter. They just need to get to the playoffs healthy and, you know, clicking and getting Durant back and presumably at, at full strength. And if that's the case, you know, they'll be fine. So on a scale of one to 10, how, how would you rate them being in trouble? It's seven, six. <laughs> <laughs> um, I would say that from where I'm standing, you know, moderately concerned, you know, it's a four maybe. Um, I, I just don't think that, that there's a, a need for them to panic. They know who they are. They know what they can, what they're capable of doing. And really, as I say, it's just about getting Durant back healthy because the playoffs are all that matter. And if he's back, you know, by the first round, I think they're fine. We'll see. Uh, looking at the Celtics, you know, they beat the Warriors uh, this past Wednesday. You know, a lot of people have been pretty much on the Celtics bandwagon in terms of them being the second best team in the East. I mean, I- I'm actually certainly on it because you look at the team itself, and even though it's Isaiah Thomas, but you have a lot of role players that are good, and, and you have a- a- they're pretty much a scrappy defensive team. Are they a team that 
people should worry about, especially in the playoffs for the Eastern Conference? I think that the Celtics are right in there, along with Washington and Toronto. Toronto needs to get Kyle Lowry back healthy. There's another team that, that's, you know, kind of got injury concerns heading down the stretch. But the Cavaliers have concerns heading down the stretch. Um, you know, Kevin Love's still not back yet. Jarrett Smith just got back. They brought him Bogut, and he's down again. So, you know, Cleveland is still, you know, obviously the, the heavy favorite in the East. Uh, race to be number two to be the, you know, the, the team that might have the best shot at, at, at knocking off Cleveland if Cleveland's not at full strength. You can make a case for any any of those three between Boston, Toronto, and Washington. I kind of lean toward Toronto uh, because their overall talent and depth, I think, is, is just simply better than the other two. But Washington's starting five is fantastic, and they, they really uh, you know help their bench a lot by getting Bogdanovich from the Nets and then signing Brandon Jennings. Um so there, you know, Washington, everybody kind of sleeps on. Uh, Boston's been a sexy pick. I'm not sure that they're necessarily better than Washington and Toronto. Well, you know, they're definitely not better this year. But let's say in a few years from now, because they do have the top picks, thanks to the Nets you know, pretty much losing almost every game, um, they can be potentially become good in about probably next year or two years from now. Is that a team that LeBron needs to worry about, knowing that he doesn't really have much time in terms of winning championships? Well, you know, for, for for LeBron, you know, he's he's heading toward what might be his seventh straight NBA final. Yeah. Um, I think the biggest concern for him and for the Cavs is simply trying to keep LeBron playing at a high level because we saw this again the other night when LeBron's out. Uh, they lose to Detroit uh, because every time LeBron was on the bench, they're you know the rest of that unit was getting its butt kicked. Um, you know, when, so LeBron being able to play. And, and not being overtaxed in terms of minutes and games is the biggest concern for LeBron and for the Cavs for the foreseeable future. Um, until and unless Boston gets a, a, a third star or maybe a couple of stars because Orford's getting up there in years and he's not the kind of star who, who really carries you. He's, he, he plays a role. Until and unless Boston gets that kind of transcendent-type player, a top-ten player, Cleveland doesn't have to worry about them. You know, I mean – yeah, they're a really good team. And, yeah, on a given night, they might beat them, and they've got fantastic depth and a lot of the great defensive players. But there's a reason that Danny Ainge is still chasing Jimmy Butler, Paul George, and anybody else he could possibly pursue because they need a star. If they use that top pick that they're getting from the Nets, which will be no worse than fourth and as high as, as number one, let's say they get Markel Fultz or Lonzo Ball or someone, Rookies don't change the landscape. It just doesn't happen. Rook, you know, not in this era. Rookies are not leading you to a championship. It's going to take whoever they draft a couple of years to develop into a star if they become a star. So that's that's not really uh, something that I think LeBron or the Cavs are going to concern themselves with. The bigger concern for them, where it regards Boston, is if Boston can take that pick and other assets and finally make that big blockbuster trade that they've been hoping to make. If they can get Paul George or Jimmy Butler, um, some other guys, then they're in a much better position. Yeah, I think it was kind of strange for them to try not to trade him for Jimmy Butler, Paul George before the trade deadline, but I guess because they wanted to see if they could probably get either a high pick and then the draft point that they will get like a top five pick and maybe they'll use that to get one of those players. But staying with the, the Cavaliers, um, don't you find it ridiculous though that when LeBron's out of the game or even not in the game, or he just sits out for a, or a game or two that the Cavaliers are like four and nineteen and four and twenty like that. Don't you find it ridiculous? 
They have a terrible record when he doesn't play at all. Yeah. Uh, the other night it was more about him. You know, when he was on the bench, they kept getting outscored every time he he went for a, for a breather. Um, it, 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 I mean that that should be a concern. I mean LeBron James is incredible, but you're you're a championship team. You shouldn't have that big of a uh, letdown or uh, just a, a regression every time that he's not in the game. Um, I think that reflects poorly on Kyrie Irving, frankly, and yeah. on the rest of their players. But Kyrie in particular, I think when LeBron was, you know, saying in January that we need more playmakers, you know, I took that to an extent, not as a direct shot at Kyrie, but just an observation that, you know, we don't have guys who necessarily make plays for other guys. LeBron James is the best at it in this era and maybe one of the best, or certainly one of the best of all time at facilitating and elevating those around him. That's a, that's a skill. Not everybody has it. Kyrie Irving, phenomenal scorer. I don't think he's a, a, a net uh, positive when it comes to elevating those around him. Yeah. And that's something he still has to uh, develop over time. So that's a concern for them. But, you know, signing Darren Williams is a help. Darren's a, a, a real experienced, you know, hand at, at uh, running an offense. He's getting acclimated still. So, you know, but that, but that is something that they still have to be concerned with going forward because eventually, you know, they're going to have to do with less LeBron. You know, he can't do everything every night in perpetuity. He's getting up there in years, and he's got a lot of mileage on him. Yeah, it's kind of strange because you, you said, like, you got Kyrie Irving, you got Kemba Love, you still got a supporting cast. And, and it's funny because there's a stat besides the 4-20 and 20 or whatever the losses, but pretty much for Irving, when he's without LeBron, you know, he's not as effective as he's with LeBron. And then I, there's some... Tweets that saying all oh, Irving's the best point guard in the league, and I'm like, I laugh at that because really LeBron is what makes him great. If it wasn't for LeBron, I don't think we would see him this great, and and he probably would just be one of those players where he just scores and doesn't do much to the team. LeBron has been the best point guard on every team he's played for. Yeah, and, and, I mean, we don't think of him as a point guard, but really, he's run the offense on every team he's been with, and. So Kyrie Irving, yes, an all-star caliber player. Yes, an incredible scorer. Uh, if he were strictly as their point guard, I don't, I don't, I would not rank him among the top point guards. I, I'd rank him as a really great scorer, but I'm not going to rank him as a top point guard because the playmaking side of it, it, it's just not that great of a strength for him. And we see that every time LeBron misses a game or every time LeBron's on the bench and Kyrie's doing it on his own. So, you know, um, that's, that, that that's an issue for that team. Should they be concerned about Kevin Love coming back? Even though George Smith came back, but for the Cavaliers, if, if Love isn't there, that they should be concerned heading into the playoffs, knowing that they're going to miss their third score? Well, I think, you know, I haven't seen a recent update, but I mean, I think the original forecasts were him for him to make it back by the playoffs. And uh, if he's back with, you know, a week or two to go to kind of get his legs under him and, and get reacclimated you know, they should be fine. Um, but, it, you know, there's always a question, you know, when your guys had a long layoff, as Jared Smith has, as, as Love is now, as, you know, Durant a little bit shorter probably, but it takes time and you never know, you know, you know how's your, your, uh, you know, your rhythm going to be when you get back. There is a difference between being in shape and being in basketball shape. Um, but they, they absolutely need Kevin Love. I mean, it, you know, and they need him as close to full strength as possible. They're not winning another championship without a, a fully functioning Kevin Love out on the court. You know, going to the MVP race now, you see now Russell Westbrook with these triple doubles. Of course, you see LeBron's impact without him on court with the Cavaliers. And, you know, Kawhi Leonard probably should be number one right now, in my opinion. Is it possible to say, though, that 
right now number one should probably be James Harden because of what he's done with the Rockets, or you still think that maybe Russell Westbrook because of the triple doubles should be the MVP right now? Yeah, you can make a great case for any of those guys. You can make a case for LeBron as well. Yeah, uh, definitely. I think that, that, you know, we've got, you know, about a month of games left here, uh, you know, and th- those ballots will go out in about, you know, uh, three and a half, four weeks. And, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll focus a little bit more tightly on it then. Uh, you know, if I had to, to vote right now, you know, maybe it's Harden. Um, I, I think the the way that he's elevated that team, uh, the fact that he's been, you know, just uh, obviously a phenomenal scorer, but also leading the league in assists, made that transition. His transition to point guard uh, in a full time capacity has, you know, been the reason that that they are as good as they are. They're on pace for I think 55 wins or so, which is a, a huge jump from last season. They didn't add any other stars. He's the only All Star on that team. And, you know, he's the reason that they are, you know, in contention and in a, probably the, the third best team in the West in the regular season. Um, MVP has always been a combination of individual excellence mm-hmm. and team's success. Exactly. So if you're going to weigh those things, I, I just I can't put Russell Westbrook up there. The, the, the Thunder are, are not having a, a great season. They're having an okay season. They're going to win probably 45 games, which, by the way, is about what I expected from them. Um, they don't have another star either, but it's not a terrible supporting cast. I, you know, I think they could be doing slightly better. I frankly think, to be counterintuitive here, maybe he's doing too much. You know, if you want your young players like Oladipo and Sabonis and the rest of these guys to develop into reliable second and third options, then you know maybe they need to, to take a little bit more of the load. Russell Westbrook is on a historic tear here in terms of usage percentage. He's gonna, he's he's uh, using 42% of all their possessions when he's on the court. That would be the highest in NBA history. More than Kobe ever used, more than Michael Jordan, more than Allen Iverson. And those guys played on, on some rough teams at times too. You know, Michael not quite as much, but Kobe certainly played on some rough teams uh, in the, uh, the, the mid-2000s. And Iverson played on a lot of teams that didn't have great supporting casts offensively. Yeah. And they never they never used 42% of their team possessions. Westbrook is. I'm not sure it's a great thing. It's, it's produced amazing stat lines and a lot of fun games. But are we sure that that's the best thing for the Thunder? I'm not convinced. Yeah, I agree with that because I feel like with Westbrook, and he definitely needs to take a step back. I, I think he's doing way too much, and, and they're not going to go as far as, as the rest of the cast. But, you know, yesterday he actually did pretty well. You know, he didn't do too much, even though he did get a triple-double. But you see a lot of people like Doug McDermott and Gibson and Sabonis and uh, Victor Oladipo all stepping up against the Spurs. And, and I think going forward, I think that's the type of performance that they need to get in order to elevate the team and, and also elevate himself. Yeah, I mean that that's that's fair. I, I mean I, I think that you know there are guys on this roster in in, in Oklahoma who are capable players. Todd Gibson's been a, a really good uh, you know you know not a, a leading scorer type. He's a very solid scorer. Yeah. Um, you know McDermott, you know that is ups and downs. Oladipo certainly came in as a guy who you know you thought might take that next step forward. He's basically the exact same player he was in Orlando last season. Is that him? Is that Westbrook not giving him enough oxygen? Um, I don't know. I, I don't know how to evaluate that exactly, but I do think that you know, no one's a one-man show in this league. Basketball is, has been, always will be a five-man game, and that's what makes 
you know, the greats as, as great as they are. Now you may point to Westbrook's assist and say, well, he's doing it. He's doing enough. But, well, he's still taking a ton of shots too. And that's the other thing in this MVP race that I think has gone overlooked. Westbrook's averaging six more shots a game than Harden and Kawhi Leonard. Six. Uh, yeah. That's a lot. And he's, he's not doing it at a great, uh, at a very efficient rate either. Um, I played around with this the other day. If you adjusted Westbrook uh, downward to the 18 or so shots again Harden's taking, Westbrook's scoring would drop to about like 26, I think. If you adjusted Harden to give him the shots that Westbrook gets, as many as he's getting, uh, Harden would be leading the league in scoring by a lot, I think, with like 36 points a game. So, you know, it, it's, it, you know, the scoring part of it's not an apples-to-apples comparison because Westbrook uses so many more possessions and shoots uh, a, a poor percentage, frankly. Um, he's not as efficient as the other guys in the MVP race. So I, I, I tend to favor Harden and Kawhi Leonard over Westbrook at this stage. But we'll see how the, the, you know, the, the stretch of the season goes. Now, looking at Kawhi Leonard, you know, he's having a terrific season. I know he struggled a little bit against Thunder, but it's kind of remarkable to see a guy who came into the league pretty much a raw prospect, and his scoring has pretty much went up every single year. And then you look at the stats this year, and, and I was actually stunned when I saw this, that he's shooting over 45%, basically like 48%, and... 38% from downtown and 89% from the free throw line. And basically, he could actually have a 50 40 90 uh, kind of season if he actually went hard for it. But I know he won't because, you know, the Spurs, they, they play. I know it's his team, but they also have a supporting cast and everything. Are we overrating him or underrating him right now at this point? I think Kawhi Leonard is still underrated. Uh, you know, he's it, it, it shouldn't have taken until middle of March for people to talk about him. Yeah, that's true. Candidate. That's true. I mean, some some of us did at times when the discussion was was going on. Said, oh, you know, well, you know, hey, look, you know, Spurs having a great season. Kawhi Leonard's maybe the best two way player in the NBA. So, I mean, he was mentioned, but he never got the kind of attention uh, that he got the other night after the, you know that, that fantastic finish against Houston. Then all of a sudden, that put him on more people's radar, or just gave him his moment. But he was being overlooked the whole time because he just doesn't put up the gaudy numbers that Harden and Westbrook do, and because he doesn't have a, a lot of personal flash. And, and actually, even that's kind of a misnomer. There's plenty of flash in his game. There's just no flash in his personality, and he's not beating his chest, and he's he's not snarling and and you know making a big deal out of anything. So he just kind of and it's you know as part of the Spurs, the, that's the personality of that franchise, and they fly under the radar. Um, so. You know, Kawhi is still underrated largely, especially by by the casual fans and, and by I think just you know sports fans at large. But um, you know that notice is coming, and you know he's you know he's he's got a legit shot to be the MVP of this season. And if he gets it, you know then maybe we'll stop talking about him being underrated. Is, do you think a lot of people will take it to the next level, saying he may be the Michael Jordan of this generation, the way he's he's playing offensively and defensively? Uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I'm, I'm never prepared to make those kinds of comparisons. I, I just don't think that we should compare I, most players to most players, period. Like, I just, the comparisons are, are, are usually tortured um, and unfair, and and, um, and especially when it comes to comparing guys to Jordan, I just think that that uh, that that idea should have died a long time ago. <laughs> that's, that's very true. So I got, I got to do this last question before I let you go. Um, <clears throat> do we... Still see by the end of, or possibly early June, uh, Cavaliers versus Warriors, or I think it's going to be a new finals matchup without the Durant injury and Cleveland struggles without LeBron on the court, basically. 
it goes back to what we discussed earlier, which is, you know, <laughs> what does Durant look like when he comes back? How soon does he come back? Is he at 100%? How long does it take for them to kind of get their rhythm again with Durant out there? Um, when does Kevin Love come back? What does he look like when he gets back? Uh, how does Kyle Lowry look for Toronto when he comes back? It, it, there's all these question marks up in the air, but you know, I'm one who says for the sake of argument that you just assume full strength, assume everybody is at uh, full capacity with all their players out of the court and everybody functioning at the level that you expect them to. If that's the case, it's still Warriors Cavs until further notice. I mean, the only reason to pick against either of them will probably be injury or some other sort of, of unexpected misfortune. But uh, barring any of that, I'm still expecting that we're going to see Warriors Cavs again in June. All right, sounds good. Thank you, Beck Howard, for being on the show. Uh, if anything, we'll be in contact in the near future, especially with the playoffs coming over long. We'll definitely be in contact. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Thank you. you know, interesting stuff from Howard Beck there, you know, from Bleach Report, talking about the Warriors, the Boston Celtics, Cavaliers, the MVP race, of course. But listen, I don't want to put much of my opinion to this because I really want Howard Beck to be on the show. But um, it's interesting to see, though, the Warriors and their struggles because you, you, you thought of, well, you know, they have Draymond Green, Stephen Curry, and Clay Thompson. Hey, everything's all good. Let's all party together and get to the playoffs without Durant. And then hopefully we'll all be connected and then win a title together. Well, that ain't going to happen because apparently they struggle to score. Defensively, they're okay. You know, they're not, they're not great without Durant. I mean, it's like Durant was just so much for them. For what he was, not just because of his scoring and his defense, but because of his height. I mean, this guy's basically like seven feet. So, you know, with that advantage you have, you can put him at center, you can put him at power four with green, and pretty much play lockdown defense, score efficiently, run on the on the transition. Because let's say, hey, if he was a center, running on transition, centers can't even guard him. So, he gets easy shots almost most of the time. That's why the small ball works effectively with Durant. And I you call it not the death lineup, the apocalypse lineup, because you got Durant center and, and you know, Draymond is the power forward. But it's just, it's kind of hard to figure out why they're struggling. And, and facing the Spurs this weekend, and they got to have other tough matchups later on during the, this month, it's, it's going to be hard for them to hold on to that first seed. Personally, I think they will. I think they'll find a way to beat the Spurs and then they'll find, beat, find a way to beat the other teams as the month goes by. But they definitely need Durant healthy. Because, listen. When that injury happened with the MCL, it, it, it's crazy. I mean, like, you thought that he could be out for the rest of the season, but it's okay. It was a great two. But even if it was great one, great two, you still got to make it heal at least to 90%, 95%, because otherwise it's not. It's going to be hard for him to be effective on the court. But hopefully he does get better and, you know, they, they become full and his playoffs won't be as uh, boring if the Warriors aren't fully healthy because we want to see him go all out against other teams. <clears throat> Looking at the Celtics, though. That's the team I, I would actually worry about because they're up and coming and they're only going to get better as the season goes by and as the years go by with their picks and their development of players. So that's just going to be interesting to see them against the Cavaliers in a couple of years. But I, I don't know what's going to happen, man. I mean, for the Eastern Conference to go down with the Raptors, hopefully they're all fully healthy and they got a lot of depth. With the Washington Wizards, who are they're under the radar in some people's eyes, but they're going to be there. And, of course, you got the Celtics that are trying to catch up to the Cavaliers. And the Cavaliers, who pretty much stink without LeBron, in my opinion, because I don't understand how you have a horrendous record without LeBron on the court. You still have Irving and Love. I mean, come on, Irving. You got to do better than that. You can't just be scoring. You got to make other people around you better. 
and it kind of makes you pretty much exposed to the fact that LeBron out the court, you're 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 not as effective as if with him on the court because you could do whatever you want because you could just pretty much be a scorer because LeBron's there and you get to defend, you get to pass, you get to rebound, you get to steal, you get to you know make sure everybody's at the right spots and all that. I mean, LeBron's definitely using the MVP almost every season. You can make the case about that, but <clears throat> people like Kawhi Leonard, Isaiah Thomas, Russell Westbrook, James Harden, these guys, they've been there. And they they produced a lot this season since the beginning of the season, so it's gonna be interesting to see who's gonna win the MVP race. But I know for one thing for sure though, this show can't be complete without Mr. Mac here. And you know, as, as much as we can all say about the whole situation and this and that, it's gonna it's gonna be interesting to see. But uh, it's gonna be very interesting to see just how effective this whole thing. Yeah, what's up, man? <laughs> what happened? You know, I thought you were gonna be on the show. You disappoint all the the fans out there listening. Yeah. You know, you're on the podcast right now anyway, but uh, we just had an interesting conversation with Howard Breck about the teams, about Boston and the Cavaliers and the Warriors and the MVP race. So, you know, he, he gave us some interesting points really about um, basically, of course, with the Warriors and their struggles and how much, you know, they generate points and everything without Durant. But, you know, this is a top three player and he pretty much invested all of it to Durant. So it's kind of hard to see it, but it's an adjustment that they got to have to make as, as the month goes by. What's that three? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> Yeah. 
Yeah, you got a big, big time adjustment. Yeah, it's very strange. I, I don't understand why they're just suddenly not shooting the ball well because Durant isn't there. Maybe they just got accustomed to Durant being on the court, just like the Cavaliers got accustomed to LeBron being on the court and how they have a horrendous record when he's pretty much not playing. And I don't understand that either because we have Irving and, and the supporting cast and you also have Love healthy that the Cavaliers struggle this much about LeBron. same type of month too actually around mid February early March like I don't understand I don't know if he's allergic to it I don't know if he's allergic to it Yeah, it does.
Yeah, we'll see. Uh, I, it's funny we talk about it because um, you look at how they lost to the Celtics and everything, and pretty much Boston has pretty much been either under the radar or people just overrating them for what they are. But I look at this team where if they're good this year and then they're good the next two years, that the time for LeBron winning titles might be closing because of how young this team is and how much they can get one transition transcendental player from the draft and he becomes really good. And then suddenly you look at a possibly a, a championship contender almost every year. Yeah. Uh, you know, going to the MVP race, I was actually uh, uh, talking to Beck about that, and one of the things that I actually agree to him is that when you look at MVP, you look at either the team's stats, you know, winning games, and you also look at individual stats in general. And you look at Russell Westbrook having a triple-double, right? And, and, you know, he's doing pretty much something that hasn't been done, like, in a long time, which is Oscar Robinson. But, yeah, the team's struggling, and I think he's doing too much. And you look at guys like Harden and Kawhi Leonard and, and LeBron, who they have great records, and having great statistical years. Do you think that your eyes MVP should be right now either going down between LeBron, Harden, or uh, Leonard, or Westbrook should be in that conversation as well? That's true.
Nistro. That's true. I agree with that. You know, going from the NBA now, it's, it's still a little bit NFL because, you know, I heard some news today, well, this week, actually, about Brandon Marshall signing to the Giants. What do you think of that move? Because from what I see it, they make a few moves, and they're pretty much the super team of the NFL. Well, we got him, then, you know, all bets are off, then. Things offensively could be good, but the thing is, they need offensive line as well. And you look at these free agent moves that a lot of teams have been making, and trades like Brock Osweiler going to the Browns and getting dropped, and then Patriots signing a cornerback, the highest paid cornerback, and one of the highest paying cornerbacks in the league. And I look at the Giants and how they could potentially be a Super Bowl contender if they make a few more moves in the NFC. What do you think of that? Yeah, um, big guy. A lot of things. every year as long as you have Belichick and Brady and that system I think they'll always be in that conversation until they retire of course so I wouldn't be surprised either way but I, I guess I, I'll ask you this last question before I let you go it's about the NFL itself you look you look at the draft and you look at the New York teams which team do you think needs more of, of a hit or miss in terms of getting the right player for their chances of actually making an impact next season Yeah, New York team zone, yeah. I mean, you could say Giants. You could say Giants, but we'll have to just somehow just get somebody out of nowhere and then the rebuilding process goes up. I mean, you can make the case for either one. Yeah, but that's a bunch of people. Like, you know what I mean? They, here's the thing. It's easy 
like all of last year. They're, they're, they, they, they draft well. They get, they get players that they can develop, and they go eight and eight. Okay, well, that's an impact for them. That's an impact for them. That's true. <laughs> Shepard, <Shepherd>, yeah. They are in impact making mode. They're in playoff in mode mode. And they need to show up the offensive line to make that happen. They need to model after what um, the Broncos have done, after what the Texans have done. You've got to get that offensive line up. Yeah, I agree with that. I try to agree with that. And and then of course you you look at the Jets and their whole situation. You just gotta get players that can actually play. Uh, otherwise, it's gonna be a terrible season for Jeff fans in general. But it's great for you being on the show again, man. I know uh, you had your thing, but hopefully next week you'll be in studio and we'll discuss more stuff that's happening around the sports world. Yeah, it's all good. Yep. But we'll definitely be in contact next week. So I'm here for you. Yep. Have a good day. You too. Yeah, so you know interesting stuff from Mr. Meg here. Oh, we have to, we have to recap a little bit what we have I had to tell him about the interview with uh, Beck and everything, but of course about the NFL stuff. Listen, I know we didn't talk about a lot of it today, but um it's still early, you know. I know next week we're gonna go deep into it and exactly with these moves and what they made, and it's just interesting to see how people used to talk about the NFL and it's, and the season is, is basically was over for like a month ago, and we're in all season and we're talking about it already. So we got a lot to discuss, of course, about that and the NBA, of course, next week. But this is this is all she wrote for today's show. You can. Follow us on Twitter at Slapping on Four Three Sixty and the Facebook page. You can follow me at Morinis Ten M O R A N E S S Ten. You can follow the Big Dunk Three Sixty website on Twitter at the Dunk Three Sixty because there can only be one. See you next week.